Good News in a Bad News World. That's the title of a major new series we're starting this morning, working our way through Mark's Gospel. We're going to be reading through Mark's Gospel on uh, Sunday mornings and uh, then focusing on something each week from the uh, passage that we've read that highlights something to us of the good news about the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. We'll probably uh, do a few chapters and then take a break and wander off somewhere else for a few weeks and then come back and do a few more chapters and uh, so on. Mark begins his gospel in a very striking way. Chapter 1 and verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The word gospel means good news. And uh, so, just there, yes, there's bad news. There was then, when Mark was writing, uh, that is uh, now in the day in which we live. But Mark wants us to know that there's also good news. Uh, there was then, when Mark was writing, and there is uh, now in the day in which we live. And this good news is all about Jesus. All about Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of uh, God. So we want, over the coming weeks and months, with the Lord's help, to allow Mark uh, to point us uh, to Jesus. Our text for this morning is Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, and verses 17 and 18. Mark 1, 17 and 18. Verse 16 sets the scene... Mark tells us that as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So you can picture the scene in your mind's eye. Jesus is there walking by uh, the uh, Sea of Galilee. Perhaps you can uh, smell the sea. Perhaps you can uh, smell uh, the fish. And he sees Simon uh, and his brother Andrew uh, casting a net into the sea. These two fishermen are doing what a fisherman do. And then Jesus speaks to Simon and Andrew in verse 17. He says to them, follow me. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And Simon and Andrew respond uh, to uh, Jesus in verse 18. He has said to them, follow me, and they followed him. Immediately, we are told, they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus said, follow me, and these two men, Simon and Andrew, they followed him. And that's what Jesus is still saying today. Every time the gospel is preached, every time the good news is proclaimed, he is calling men and women, young people, boys and girls, to follow him. And that's still how we should respond to the gospel. When we hear the Lord Jesus Christ telling us to follow him, as Simon and Andrew did all those years ago, we should respond as they did, and we should follow him our theme for a little while this morning is this what does it mean to follow jesus 
What does it mean to, be, to follow Jesus? You might say, okay, to become a Christian is to, is to follow Jesus. I, I, I'm with you so far. But what does that mean? When Jesus called Simon and Andrew to follow him, what did that mean for them? And if Jesus is calling me this morning to follow him, then what does that mean for me? Three answers from our text and the surrounding context. Number one, it means turning. Turning. This episode with Simon and Andrew in verses 16 and following it follows hard on the heels of Jesus beginning his preaching ministry, which Mark narrates for us in the previous two verses, verses 14 and 15. And we might ask, well, what was Jesus preaching? And in a nutshell, we have the answer at the end of the 15th verse. He was preaching, repent and believe the gospel. Verse 14, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, preaching the good news. What is this gospel? What is this good news that Jesus is preaching? Well, he says, verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. <laughs> Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus calls people, among other things, to repent and this call to repentance is a call to turn around repentance is a turning word to repent means to turn from sin and to turn to jesus To turn from sin and to turn to Jesus. You see, we need to think for a moment about how we are by nature. By nature, our face is towards our sin. And uh, we love our sin. And we enjoy our sin. And our face being towards our sin... Our face is away from a God. And while we're loving and enjoying our sin, we are at best ignoring God. And we are at worst hating him. That's how we all are by nature, as fallen, sinful human beings. But when the gospel touches us, when God speaks to our hearts by his word and by his spirit and begins a work of grace within us, something wonderful happens. We are given both a desire and an ability that we never had before. We are given a desire to turn from our sin and to turn to Jesus. And we are given an ability to turn from our sin and to turn from 
to turn to Jesus. So instead of our face being towards our sin and away from God, this new desire, this new ability, it enables us to repent, uh, to turn around, so that now our back is towards our sin and our face is towards God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important that we understand that this about turn of repentance is neither small nor insignificant. It is radical and it is life-changing. It was for Simon and Andrew and it would be for you too. It means to love what once you hated, the Lord Jesus Christ. It means to hate what once you loved, your sin and all your wrongdoing. And that's what Simon and Andrew did. They were given to repent and to turn. And that's what James and John did in the following verses, 19 and 20. Because after Jesus had met Simon and Andrew and called them to follow him, and they followed him, then he, uh, shortly afterwards he met these two other brothers, James and John, and he called them to follow him as well, and they uh, followed him too. And my friend, it's what you must do too. This morning Jesus Christ says to you, Follow me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? First of all, it means this. It means turning, to repent, to turn from your sin, to be sorry for it, and to turn to the Lord Jesus, the only one who can save you from your sin. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means turning. Number two. It means trusting, trusting. Remember again the message Jesus had begun to preach. End of verse 15. Repent and believe the gospel. Not just repent, we've thought briefly about that, but also believe. And we need to think briefly about that as well. And to be clear that there can be no belief without repentance And uh, there is no true repentance uh, without genuine belief. So if repentance means to turn, what does belief mean here? It means to trust. As Jesus calls these men to follow him, he's calling them to trust him. Now this is more than a mere intellectual Ascent. It is not simply assenting to certain facts about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior of the world, and so on. To believe in the gospel, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is to stake everything upon him. All that you are, all that you would ever be, your hopes for time and for eternity, to put all your hope, all your confidence, all your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Now understand, there are facts to believe. If you would follow Jesus, if you would become a Christian, then there are facts to believe, facts to believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that he is God's son, eternal with the Father and the Spirit. That he is the only saviour, that salvation can only be found through what he did for sinners upon Calvary's cross. That we are saved by grace alone. Salvation is God's free gift which we could do nothing to earn or to deserve. That we are saved through faith alone. That we simply trust in Jesus Christ. That we cannot bring anything by way of contribution to our salvation. And that we are saved in Jesus Christ alone. That it is in him and in him alone that we can find salvation, forgiveness and life everlasting. So there are facts to believe and we must believe these facts if we would be saved and if we would follow Jesus. But as well as there being facts to believe, there is also a saviour to trust. A saviour to trust. Because, you see, following Jesus is a personal thing. As we've said, it's not a a mere intellectual assent. It's a personal thing. Because ultimately we are saved not by a system of doctrine, but we are saved by a living and loving Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And though there are facts to believe about him, More than that, we need to trust him with our hearts, with our lives, and uh, with our all. And you remember we said about turning, about repentance, uh, that it is neither small nor insignificant. And so we must say similarly about believing, about trusting that it is neither small nor insignificant. It is indeed both radical and life-changing. Because to believe in this gospel, to trust yourself to this Savior, to cast yourself upon the Lord Jesus Christ is nothing short of full surrender. It is to give to him your heart. It is to give to him your life. It is to give to him your all. It is to say that your life is now his. And it's not about you and where you want to go and what you want to do and your agenda and so on. But it's about him and what he wants you to be and what he wants you to do and about becoming daily more like the Lord Jesus. That's what Simon and Andrew did when they followed Jesus. They turned, yes, they repented, but also they trusted, they believed, they staked everything Upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what James and John did. And it's what you must do too. This morning the Saviour is calling you to trust him. You may never have trusted him before. But he calls you to trust him now. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? We've said number one it means turning. and Number two it means trusting. Now Number three, it means testifying. Testifying. Because notice Jesus doesn't just say to Simon and Andrew in verse 17, follow me. He goes on, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now we must be clear that this term has a particular reference 
uh, to Simon and Andrew as Jesus here is calling them to be two of what we call the twelve disciples. We know the word disciple just means follower. So in that sense, every Christian is a disciple. We are all, as Christians, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But though that disciple term can be used generally, we know we also use it particularly, don't we, to refer to the, to the twelve disciples, those twelve whom the Lord called to accompany him during the three years of his public ministry here upon the earth. And so when Jesus speaks to Simon and Andrew of making them to become fishers of men, he is making a particular reference to their calling to be two of the, of the twelve and uh, to join him in the ministry in which he was engaged. But there is also a, a, a general application of this. We are not being called to be numbered among those twelve. They have been and gone. They are now with Christ in glory. Eleven of them anyway. But if we are to follow Jesus, yes we must turn, we must repent, and we must trust, we must believe, but, but also we see from this that we are called to testify. Because to become a fisher of men really means to testify. We use this word testify in various contexts, don't we, in the ordinary every day. One would be in a court, for example. People are called to, to testify in a, in a court, aren't they? And uh, questions are asked like who and where and when and what and how. And they're called to testify to the best of their knowledge and understanding. Well, who was where and when and what happened and how did it happen? Some of you know that, uh, I think it was a bit over a year ago, I had to do a, a spell on a, on a jury, of jury service at a local coroner's court. And uh, I must admit, I, I found it quite, quite fascinating, fascinating experience. The two cases we were dealing with were, were really quite harrowing, one particularly so. But it was quite fascinating to understand how these things work and we had different people. Some live, some by video link, and they were, they were testifying. And bit by bit you put a picture together of who and where and when and what and how. Well, it's this kind of word that we're thinking about this morning, to testify. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he doesn't just call us to turn to him and to trust in him, but he also calls us to testify about him. What does this mean in practice? Well, to testify to who Jesus is. That he couldn't be more divine. That he's as God as God could be. That he couldn't be more human. That he's as man as man could be. Without sin, of course. And that he couldn't be more wonderful. That you could never encounter, it would be impossible to encounter Anyone more wonderful than the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And a follower of Jesus testifies to who Jesus is. You know, he couldn't be more divine and he couldn't be more human and he couldn't be more wonderful. But as well as testifying to who Jesus is, the follower testifies to, to what he's done. And we think particularly of some of the, the big standout truths of, 
what Christ has done in the gospel. We think of his incarnation. The one who had always been the son of God. Becoming that which he had not been before. Namely man. Without ceasing to be that which he had always been. So that we had the God man lying as a, as a baby. In the manger in Bethlehem. The incarnation. His life. How he lived 33 years upon this earth a perfect life we read in brief summary form in the reading about how he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness but though he underwent strong and severe temptation yet he resisted that temptation he stood under it he never sinned his life his death how he went to Calvary not because he had to but because he chose to he allowed wicked men to nail him to a cross. He chose to suffer, to bleed and to die upon the side of Calvary's hill. Why? For my sin, for yours, for the sin of all who would trust in him as Savior and uh, as Lord. Taking the punishment we deserved. Paying the price we owed. His resurrection. That his body is not still in the tomb as we were thinking earlier with the Apostles' Creed. That his soul is not, did not remain there in the realms of the dead. But Jesus rose again from the dead. He is alive forever and ever. And we have eternal life through faith in his name. His ascension. That some weeks later he went up, up and away through the clouds. Returning to his father. Sitting down, the work being finished, sitting down at his father's right hand. So a follower of Jesus testifies to who he is, but also to what he's done, but, but more than that. Not just who Jesus is or what Jesus has done, but testifying to what he means. Because every follower of Jesus can testify that once Jesus meant Nothing. We may have known a little about him or a lot about him. We may have had some interest in him or really no interest in him. But, but in reality he meant nothing to us. But when we become Christians, once we're saved, as we follow the Lord Jesus, now he means everything. It's not that no one else means anything to us, but but he means everything. He's the number one. He's the one we follow. He is the one in whom we find our life. And he is the one from whom comes our hope. And that's what it meant for Simon and Andrew to follow Jesus. They turned, they trusted, and they testified. They proclaimed Jesus to others. That's what it meant for James and John. And that's what it would mean for you, my friend, if you were to follow the Lord Jesus today. You turn, you repent, sorrowing over your sin. You trust, you believe, staking your everything upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But then you go to testify by the life that you live and by the words that you say to point others to Jesus. That if you have found him to be so wonderful, they may experience him to be so wonderful what does he mean to follow Jesus? 
It means turning. It means trusting. It means testifying. But there's a word in our text I want us to focus on as we come towards a close. It's the word at the beginning of verse 18, immediately. Immediately. What does Jesus say in verse 17? Follow me. How does Simon and Andrew respond in verse 18? They followed him. But note the language. They didn't just follow him. The text says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. It was the same with James and John. Jesus finds James and John, verse 19, he calls them to follow him. And verse 20, immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Jesus didn't ask them to think about it. He didn't tell Simon and Andrew or James and John, well, you might like to think about following me tomorrow. Or if you're a bit busy this week, how about next week? Or if this year doesn't take your fancy, how about next year? Or whenever. You know, you just follow me when the time is right for you. Jesus didn't ask them to think about it. He commanded them to do it. And to do it now. And there is always an urgency about the gospel. And yes, we know some people are saved just like that in a moment of time. And other people are saved very gradually over, over a long time. That was true for me, it's true for others, and it may be true for you. But, but there is always an urgency about the gospel. That Jesus calls you to follow him, and he calls you to follow him immediately. Because, my friend, let's be frank. You may not have tomorrow. None of us can be sure that we have tomorrow. But you have today. And it's today, not tomorrow, that Jesus calls you to follow him. And you may say, but I have, I have questions. I have many questions. That's okay. The Lord Jesus can help you with your questions. But he says, follow him. And he says, do so immediately. And you may say, but I have, I have doubts. I have many doubts. Well, again, my friend, the Lord can help you with your doubts. But he says to you, follow me. And to do so immediately. And you may say, but I have fears. Many fears. And, and that's okay too. The Lord can help you with your fears but he says to you, follow me and do so immediately. The Lord Jesus speaks to you this morning. Whoever you are, whatever you've been, whatever you've come from, whatever you've done. And he calls you to follow him. He says to you, as an individual, follow me. Simon and Andrew James and John, they, they show you the way.
immediately. You should follow him. He can answer your questions. He can dispel your doubts. He can calm your fears. All in good time. But for now, he says, follow me. He calls you to turn, to trust, to testify. Will you follow him? And will you do so immediately? Amen.